Hello, and welcome to Six Minute Counselor. My name is Gary, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. Each episode, we will address a topic related to your mental and emotional health in six minutes or less. I hope you enjoy. Today, we continue with the third episode in our trauma series. First, we introduced trauma and some of the stuck points that tend to linger after trauma. Last episode, we introduced the ABC analysis and how we can start to identify and challenge these maladaptive thoughts. In today's episode, we'll go through the process of how to dispute these thoughts and change them into healthier, more adaptive thoughts and beliefs. Before we continue this process, I think it's important to reiterate what we finished with last time, and that is the ability to admit that you were wrong. I want you to think of a time you had an argument or disagreement with someone when you were sure you were right. How nice would it have been if the other person said, you know what, I didn't think about that information you just shared, and maybe I was wrong. How good would you feel if they said that? What would you think about that person for admitting that they were wrong? Chances are you might have a little more respect for them and their maturity to admit that they were wrong and apologized. If this is the kind of treatment we want from other people, it might be time we start treating ourselves the same. One thing a lot of my trauma clients have in common is that they try their best to treat others with respect, often because they believe it's the right thing to do. But another thing a lot of my trauma clients have in common is they don't share the same beliefs towards themselves and are often very mean to themselves. So how does one change this belief? Well, we first have to gather evidence that proves this belief to be false, and there's some rules to the evidence we can use. First, it cannot be anecdotal evidence. That is when you share a story of a time that something happened but often isn't backed by credible data. This could be something like, someone told me that I'm a failure, and sure enough, I didn't make that team as a kid, so I must be a failure. The obvious problem is that everyone fails at some point, and it was a one-time incident that this person is using to describe themselves completely as a person. Second, as mentioned in last episode, it must be something that could be held up in court. If I say, I don't know, I just feel guilty, that would get thrown out in a heartbeat. Third, it must be evidence that can apply to a lot of people across the same situation. It's very common for abusive people to take their own issues out on the people around them. I could say something like, Chances are this person had a rough day, and unfortunately, it's taking it out on you. So this probably has more to do with their bad day and lack of coping skills than something you did. I think a lot of people could resonate with that and say, yeah, if my partner had a bad day, they're usually in a bad mood when they get home. The example I used in the last episode was one of a woman who blamed the abuse on herself for not ironing her husband's pants. But after we talked about it, she realized that he's like this to most of the people around him, and she was able to see how poor her evidence was when she blamed herself. Now that we hopefully have some evidence to dispute our harmful belief, it's time to look into some other factors that may perpetuate the cycle of maladaptive thoughts. Ask yourself, is this a habit of mine, or is it a fact? Stuck points are usually a habit, and something we tend to do without even realizing it. If I tend to blame myself for something my partner does, chances are that I probably blame myself in other situations when people act poorly around me. Ask yourself if there's information you may not be including. If you knew ahead of time that your partner just lost their job, while it wouldn't condone abusive behavior, it would at least explain it better and allow the person to say their actions are a result of getting fired, not a reflection on me as a person. This process sounds pretty simple and easy, right? Wrong. 
It's very hard to change beliefs that we've held for so long that even with the evidence, we often fight it. One thing I tell my clients is that these stuck points didn't become this strong overnight and they won't go away overnight either. This is a process that must be practiced in order to sharpen this skill. A couple tips and techniques to try when going through this process are, one, perform the process as explained, but do so as if you're arguing on behalf of someone else. It's easier for us to point out faults or incorrect beliefs when we're doing so for someone else. As I mentioned before, my trauma clients are often very nice to others and very mean to themselves. Keeping that dynamic in mind, identify the harmful belief and ask yourself, what would you tell a loved one? What I often hear is, well, clearly it wasn't their fault or I would completely understand and forgive them. If that's the case, then in order to grow, we must treat ourselves with the same respect and love. So let's practice this. Think of a belief that you have that you think might be causing you excessive emotional distress. Now make the assumption that that belief is wrong and go through the process. What do you think it would do for you if you were able to change your beliefs to more adaptive ones? What if we could do this for all of our harmful beliefs? Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please take some time to rate me on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, check out my Facebook group, and of course, tell your friends. Thank you. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional mental health diagnosis or treatment. If you have serious concerns about your mental health, please speak with a mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your mental health.